0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 84. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Zach, and joining me as per usual... Ben Fisher, how's it going, dude?
1: Happy birthday to you, happy birthday. I'm gonna stop. Okay, okay. I'm not gonna sing a whole song. Save that. That's more of a sign-off type thing. Uh, and we've got a busy show today. So uh, Do for those we? that didn't know, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. For those that didn't know. Today's episode is, well, actually, when I say those that didn't know, Zach is included because I haven't told him a single thing about what we're doing today.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so to be be quite transparent with you all, typically, we schedule out our episodes a few weeks in advance or sometimes a quarter of the year in advance. And we recently did that. And Ben just decided we're blanking today's episode. He's got something (laughs) else in mind, and I'm not allowed to see the show notes for it. So I don't know what's happening.
1: Well, we had a whole topic that was planned out, but we'll save that for another time. If you hadn't figured out, yesterday was Zach's birthday. So uh, happy birthday to one half of the Draft Traff podcast. And well, uh, I think we should just go through the normal show stuff and you'll see, what, uh, you'll see what comes of it.
0: All right. Well, I guess before we get into whatever shenanigans Ben has planned, we do have some housekeeping as per usual. Check out the Discord if you're not already in it. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. It's the best place to go to communicate with us outside of the show i mean we can't really talk to you or talk with you in when we're doing the show so definitely check out the discord so we can keep up to date with all of you listeners And, um, also so you can provide some feedback and just jump into any of the chats that we have about different formats and what's the picks and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a great place to be with an awesome community and we'd love to have you there. If you're interested in supporting the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. We've got a handful of different tiers over there, including perks like our draft doctor series, where we take one of your drafts and walk through it step-by-step as we would any other draft. As well as things like stickers, show notes, unedited versions of the show with pre-show and post-show banter, and things of that nature. So check that out. I'm doing this all off the cuff because Ben won't let me see the show notes. So I think that it. I think that was it.
1: No, that that was pretty good. Uh, If you subbed to the Patreon this month, your your donation will happen to go towards a big slice of cake for Zach. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Or or maybe not. Maybe not. We'll see. So uh, let's start off with a crack a draft type thing. This is actually a pack one, pick one, but it's it's not your average pack one, pick one. You might notice a resounding theme and Zach, by the end, you should have hopefully guessed it. Uh, let's start off with our with our pack one, pick one. I'm just going to read through some of the, the stuff in this pack. We start off with cryptic command. What, what do you think of that?
0: Yep, slam, windmill slam. We're done here.
1: Well, uh, <laughs> I hate to tell you, but there's a few other cards in this pack that might, might uh, suit your fancy as well. Uh, next up divination big fan of divination but i think i'm still on cryptic yeah that's true cryptic is kind of a well they're both two for ones right but uh, i mean
0: yeah but eh, one of them says i get to counter my opponent's stuff and the other doesn't i'd like to be able to draw cards and counter things if i can so
1: fair enough next up is three fairy it's a fairy time raveler now this isn't the arena modified one which i think now costs four and has had its starting loyalty bumped to five this is the og this is the three mana one uh and it costs one white blue It has four loyalty that's on this guy.
0: Yeah, so this is a great card because it tells all my opponents they can't cast instant speed spells, and that's where I like to be. I want, I want to be playing Magic, and I don't want my opponents to, and uh, I do like this card quite a bit. Now, between this and Cryptic, I feel like I get more of a groan test out of Three Fairy from my opponent than Cryptic Command. And Cryptic Command has a s- strong place in my heart just from like the history of the game. And how long Cryptic Command was just an amazing card. So I think I would take Cryptic Command purely on nostalgia here. But I think Three Fairy might be the correct pick. Also, I don't want to be locked into two colors in the first pick of the draft. I don't know what format we're playing here, but I, I have a uh, guess. <laughs>
1: the format is ambiguous. Next up, uh we've got Counter Spell, blue, blue counter target spell.
0: Really difficult to beat this card. um It is pretty much the epitome of what I aim to do in Magic. But again. Cryptic command gives me options and one of those options is counter target spell so I'm going to I'm going to go with the cryptic command here.
1: Mhm. Can I tempt you with a, an approach of the second sun? Ooh.
0: Approach is my favorite alternate win con in the game so that is definitely tempting. Mhm. And it's it's one of those wacky ones where it's really hard to make work and there isn't a whole lot else like it in the game. In terms of actual like winning games again i think cryptic's gonna beat it out because it's really hard to put this together it's also a seven mana spell which makes it very difficult to cast and it you know you really need to build around your deck making this work but it's a pretty awesome card
1: speaking of seven mana things that win the game how about cyclonic rift our next card
0: okay yeah i'm i'm moving off the cryptic command i'm gonna take the cyclonic rift here Rift is yeah, just ridiculous. Uh, it's just way too good.
1: Yep, yep. Now, uh, this is a bit of a throwback, but we're going to try to branch out a little bit here. It's going to be tough to get you off Cyclonic Rift now, but can I interest you in a Krenko mob boss?
0: Wow, okay, we're color shifted. <laughs> Krenko is one of my favorite commanders and a great token generator, but you know what beats Krenko pretty much every time? Oh, uh, cyclonic rift
1: <laughs> okay okay perhaps a card that combos with cyclonic Rift. uh torrential gear hulk
0: gear hulk is also quite good i have had some bad experiences with with the old torrential gear hulk recently in the most recent iteration of arena cube where yeah. i just didn't have yeah. enough targets for it and it was basically just a big beefy six six i think i'll stick with the cyclonic rift
1: there enough uh, don't worry i, I have a plenty more tempting options here how about a rattle chains Ooh,
0: so I am a spirits player in Modern, for those that don't know, and Rattle Chains is pretty significantly a linchpin in that deck, giving all of your spirits flash. That's pretty good. I mean, again, I would kind of need to know the format. If this is a format where the, building like an actual tempo-aggressive control uh, spirits deck was a real thing, you'd have to pick up Rattle Chains as soon as you saw one because it really does make the deck work. Not knowing that I can put the spirits deck together... I'd probably just stick to the Cyclonic Rift. It feels a little safer without knowing the
1: format, but yeah, that's 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 close. Mm-hmm. Next up out of the pack, we've got Atraxa Praetor's Voice.
0: Wow, I'm surprised you could even say that without gagging.
1: <laughs> it was tough. Uh, I don't like looking at it, so let's get this one over with.
0: is also one of my favorite commanders, and particularly because, and, and I don't know that I've said this too many times on the show, but every commander deck I build has, an, has a nod or an homage to Ben in some way, shape, or form, just for funsies. And um, Traxa's nod to Ben is that, well, look at it.
1: It's an angel horror. Just uh, an abomination yep. before everyone. Disgusting.
0: Yep. So we, we like that. And it's like Phyrexian and stuff. And Ben hates the Phyrexians. So. Yeah, it's ugh. Uh, but ugh. still, still got to stick. I mean, it's four colors. It's going to be really difficult to cast. And I don't know if there's any fixing in this format. Going to have to stick to the Cyclonic Rift here.
1: Uh, next up out of the pack, Assault Formation.
0: Assault Formation is also a favorite of mine. This is going to be a difficult one to pick, though, because, again, don't know the format. Difficult to um, make a deck that relies on this card and have it work well. Typically, decks that rely on this card, you need multiple copies of it, and you need to be able to find the copies of it or your deck just doesn't really do anything. But my first standard deck ever made was uh, was an Assault Formation deck, and I built it myself, no net decking involved, and it
1: did all right, actually. I was, I was pretty pleased with it. I remember back in, uh, in high school, the... Uh the, the old uh, logic slash AP stats class where we would spend a non-zero amount of time just playing magic instead, uh, which actually was what reminded me of this next card in the pack, Vexing Devil. One mana four three to devil. It costs just one red. So when it enters the battlefield, any opponent may have it deal four damage to them. If a player does, sacrifice it.
0: Yeah, it's just a really aggressive creature that either sticks around or it hits you for four.
1: Yeah, I have memories of you playing this against me in those classes and me just being like, I don't know. <laughs> I I have no idea. What do I do? And eventually I learned that you're supposed to just take the damage, but you know, not not back then. A few more cards in this pack. We got a Spell Queller up next.
0: Okay, so Spirits is looking like a deck that could be put together. If I saw the Spell Queller next to the Rattle Chains, I think I'd move to the Rattle Chains and hope to wield the Queller. Maybe nobody else is playing blue-white and I can kind of cut blue early for that deck. Both of those cards are cards you really want in that deck, and... But like I said, the Rattle Chains is really more of a linchpin. So this is making me think that we're going to be able to see it. And uh, maybe I'd be moving on to the Rattle Chains.
1: Two cards left in this pack, but I don't know. That I saved some of the best for last. Sphinx's Tutelage is, oh uh, is next up here.
0: Sphinx's Tutelage is another favorite of mine. I have a weird weird set of favorites for like janky enchantments that don't actually do things. Really? It does something. It does something when it's, when it's used right, yeah. Inspired by Even Flock's Pro Tour winning blue white uh, control deck that had basically no win conditions, I tweaked it a little bit and built a standard deck at the time that basically just used a bunch of draw cards like Sphinx's Revelation to draw a bunch of cards, gain a bunch of life, lock my opponent down with counter spells and things, and then just slam some Sphinx's tutelages and wait for them to mill themselves out. That was the only win condition in the deck, minus a single copy of Elspeth's Sun's Champion in the sideboard, and I loved that deck. I called it Sphinx Control, and yeah, that's a good one. Again, I mean, we've seen Teferi's Tutelage do really well in formats that were sort of built to support it, so given this is like, this pack alone is giving me the vibe that whatever we're playing, maybe it's like a Zach Hackett cube, and hey, we got there. it's just like every <laughs> single card that I've ever loved. In which case, this card is probably very well supported, and uh, it would be really fun.
1: Well, uh, you actually already said the last card in the pack, and it's Sphinx's Revelation.
0: Yeah, I have to take that. I I literally am unable yeah. to pass it.
1: I knew I'd save the best for last. I, I have you pegged. Uh, and as did you correctly figure out the uh, the cube here? Yeah, a pretty good, a pretty solid pack. One pick, one to take a Sphinx's Rev. But uh, I don't know. Out of this pack, I'm probably on just just cryptic. You know, personally, Cryptic's, actually, no. Good. I, let's just i'd probably go with the krenko who am i kidding it's uh, that's fun that's that's nonsense
0: if anybody had any questions about what colors i like to play that pack pretty much sums (laughs) it up it's pretty much entirely blue a bit of white thrown in there and even less red pretty much nothing else
1: a single green card and it's a butts card so i guess that also tells you (laughs) where priorities lie (laughs) anyway let's let's hit up some teferian tibble what do you got going on this week besides the obvious
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the birthday thing was cool. I had a steak for the first time in a really long time and I was thrilled. My taste buds were like, bruh, this this is you shouldn't have let us forget what this tastes like. (laughs) So very pleasant. Um, And then I saw Spider-Man, which was also very cool and big fan of the movie. I'm not going to go into anything about it to avoid spoilers and such, but uh, it was really good. Big fan, big fan. And then uh, I had my annual review this week for my my first full year at the company that I work for. And it went really well. I got a lot of praise that I wasn't expecting. So that was really cool. Not that I was expecting not to get praise, but like there was a lot of specific praise that I wasn't expecting, which was really cool. It made me because I work with a lot of really, really, really smart people and imposter syndrome is a real problem. So it was really nice to get that feedback.
1: Yeah, the uh, the best kind of feedback is that like specific targeted compliments from like someone that actually understands the the minutia of your your technical skills in, in certain ways. That that's always good stuff.
0: Yeah, for sure, it did. It felt really good. Uh, Tibalt. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. Um, it's been it's been a pretty solid week, I guess.
1: Good stuff. That, that's what we like to hear. fairy. I got to play a little bit of quote unquote double feature. My buddy Matt that I haven't seen in a long time. Shout out to Matt. I know you're listening, dude. Uh, how's it going? What's up? He hung out with me on on uh on Friday. We got to play a little bit of kinda double feature. I the actual packs are not yet, but. Instead, we just bought three packs of each of the sets and uh, made some sealed decks from them. Uh, I just so happened to open Halana and Elena because, you know, that's just what happens to me these days. I just can't stop opening Halana and Elena, and I'm just going to keep playing it. I, I had this really, really tight, uh, low-to-the-ground, aggressive red-green deck. It had, like, Falconwrath Pit Fighter, the the one-mana 2-1, and then a bunch of other red one-drops. Uh, it curved out at four it it was just super like Harlan Atlanta was the top end. It was just really aggressive. It was a a pretty good time, and yeah, so that was good. We got to watch some some random indie films, which were not indie. They're they're like you know famous big budget films, but ones that uh I don't know they, they, they kind of have that uh mind warping vibe like Phantom Thread and that
0: kind of oh okay
1: yeah I, similar. It, I wouldn't put them with like actually Mulholland Drive we watched, which is a uh, David Lynch. Which is also just like if you want to ever if you want to give yourself a headache uh, and then a nightmare, just watch a David Lynch movie. That that's a great time. But anyway, so that was uh, that was good. I finally finished my modern deck. The last tokens that I needed arrived in the mail just today, so uh, I think some modern might be happening on the Discord, which would be very cool. And uh, I'm hoping for a snow day. We have a large storm coming in, actually, uh, about the time of this episode release. Uh, there's supposed to be a big nor'easter coming towards us, so. I'm know. praying that it comes on Friday.
0: I, I actually had zero idea that was coming our way, so that's good to know.
1: <laughs> oh, dude, South Jersey is supposed to get like a foot again. So, nice. Uh, yeah, I don't know what we're going to get up here. Tibble, stand end of the marking period. It's kind of crunch time on grading. And this is uh, my my least favorite responsibility as a teacher. When students come to me and they're like, how do i pass the the marking period and i'm like i want to help you pass but you have actively skipped class like all semester i really can't like you gotta be here and and awake for me to help you well because now i gotta reteach the the whole thing i spent my whole lunch today reteaching the last like two weeks to to some students like i'll do it but you know it's a it's a sacrifice that i'd rather not have to make
0: That's fair. But hey, I I think a lot of teachers probably wouldn't. So good on you for still sticking by your students.
1: Yeah, thanks. It's, uh, you know, end of the marking period. It's coming and going. Uh, We're going to skip the listener question of the week because we actually have plenty of questions coming up. The main topic today, as the listener has already found, is the roast of Zach. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So in honor of Zach's birthday, I thought it'd be good to really dive in to to get to know our co-host here. And uh, because I obviously know Zach really well, but let's, let's, let's pick your brain. Let's, let's get inside your head uh, and kind of flip the script. We've had interviews with all sorts of fascinating people on this show already. So why not a boring one? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. but let's, let's just kick it off, right? What was your first experience with Magic the Gathering? First experience with Magic the Gathering?
0: The first one I remember is uh, there was a game store I used to play this game called Star Wars Miniatures at, and that was actually, at the time, that was a Wizards of the Coast game as well, and it was essentially like Star Wars meets chess, where you had like characters from different sets, and they would release sets in like these booster packs, and you had miniatures, like physical uh, uh, miniature figures that also had a stat card associated with them, and then you'd put them on boards, and you'd build teams out of them, and, and... Basically, fight other teams. And it was one of the most interesting games I've ever played. I am really sad that it's not still a game that really can be played. Um, Watsy sold it to, or sold the rights to the game to Fantasy Flight Games, and they turned it into what is today X Wing, um, which I think is fairly similar in terms of gameplay. I haven't actually played it myself, but X Wing is all ships, and uh, Star Wars Miniatures was all sorts of stuff. You had ships plus just like random characters. Anyway, it's a very long winded way to say that the guy who ran the store that I played at was a big magic person. And eventually somehow through him, I got into it. And then at the time I was babysitting this kid on my street who, dude, one of the best gigs I've ever had. He basically just watched me play RuneScape all all day. Um, (laughs) But I eventually got him into magic and then we would like play around with like with different random decks and starter packs and all that kind of stuff. So
1: good stuff. What was your first favorite magic card?
0: First favorite magic card was Invader Parasite. And that is a card from New Phyrexia that I believe cost one red red or one Phyrexian red Phyrexian red and it was like a 1-1 or a 2-2 or something and when you play it when you played it your opponent exiled you exiled an opponent's land and then every time they they played a land of of the same name I think they took like one or two points of damage
1: yeah very very close three red red for a 3-2 enters the battlefield exile target lands Whenever a land with the same name as the exiled card enters the battlefield under opponent's control, it deals two to them. Yeah,
0: That's so I cool thought card. I thought it was like the best card ever printed because I was like, oh, you just exile one of their basics. And then now every time they play a basic land, they're getting shocked, which sounds cool. But like if you don't do this early enough, they just stop playing lands. And oh. like, I don't know, it feels yeah. just like it's not actually that good. But hmm. I bought a playset of it in like hologram, like foiled and everything, and I was like super excited to have it. And then I never did anything with them. I they were sitting in a binder for ages, but
1: do you still have them?
0: I might actually,
1: because doesn't this just go into the draft draft cube? It's a, a like an off theme flicker target. I guess, yeah. ETB exile land as one of our flicker payoffs. Do we have oh, a ponzo subtype? We, we originally did, and then we, we got rid of it because we were like, there's just not enough support for this. But it, honestly, even as just like a one of like, like this, if you go, um. Oh God! Flicker circle into this. Uh, uh, what is it called? Um, teleportation circle. Tel- teleportation circle into Invader Parasite. That's <laughs> that yeah, it's pretty much. That's kind of pretty dumb. Well, keep that in mind. Let's imagine that somebody gives you an elephant. You cannot sell it. You cannot give it away. What do you do with it? Wow, that's a question. <laughs> I can't sell. it. I did it. some research. I did some. I got some good questions lined up. Can't sell it. Can't
0: give it away. Can I? Oh, no, yeah. I guess that's giving it away. Can I trade it away? Like, can I barter with somebody?
1: This sounds an awful lot like selling. I don't giving. know, man. I think it's a loophole. You got to keep it. You got to keep the elephant. Okay. I suppose I'd probably not get a
0: car. Like, I'd just get rid of my any vehicles I have and I would use that. I'd probably have to hire somebody to take care of, like, fecal matter and such. I'm not I'm not about that life. But I live in a city like a a very dense city, so I don't know how well I'd be able to store it or like where I would put it. And Mm. I feel like a lot of the cool creative things you can do with an elephant just don't really work in a city environment or an urban environment.
1: Well, now it also depends on what kind of elephant we're talking about. I didn't specify, but we could be dealing with like a pygmy elephant or we could be dealing with one of the, um, what are the Lord of the Rings ones called? So I've been,
0: I've been marathoning Lord of the Rings over the last couple days. And so my Uh brain immediately went
1: to an elephant. Yeah. Yeah. That is an option. Uh, I'll give you your pick of an elephant or a pygmy elephant. So a pygmy elephant. Uh, Well, it looks like they can still grow to be around nine feet. So (laughs) not that pygmy. Pygmy is a relative term. Yeah.
0: Okay. So then, I mean, I would, I would pick a pygmy elephant, I guess, if I were to pick an elephant with any hopes of being able to keep it and, and I could still ride that around and it would be kind of fun, I guess. Probably would be able to get some cool gigs doing, like, birthday parties for kids. You know, do something with that, I guess. I don't really know what I would do with an elephant, though. Outside of using it for, for transportation in the city, I, I really don't know.
1: I, I count that was a good answer. I'm picturing just, like, a, a big enough-sized elephant just walking over traffic. That sounds yeah. pretty convenient. Yeah, that would be really good. If there was one state that you could just erase from the map, it's just gone. Wow. <laughs> what state is it? And what... <laughs> no no harm befalls the people in the state it's just it's just historically it just didn't never exist that one state just wiped out forever
0: i mean i think it'd probably have to be florida there's just too much <laughs> wackiness that comes out of that state
1: yeah it's kind of a wild card place
0: plus i think it'd be really interesting to see where all the snowbirds go if they don't have the option of going to florida
1: oh yeah would they would they fly further south, I guess, just like kind of leave the country entirely? Maybe it's funny that you say that because my next question ties directly into Florida. You are assigned to sell hot chocolate in the Florida summer. What's your plan?
0: Okay, something of a loophole here. but uh-huh. what I would do is take that hot chocolate, mix it in a blender with ice and some other like sugar and and syrup and
1: stuff, uh, and make, make a okay. frozen
0: hot chocolate, and sell
1: that oh. Yeah, you know what? This actually gives me an idea. You'd go to the beach and then add in some like Kahlua or something too, and then that works too,
0: yeah. Yeah. Anything you involve some alcohol, that'll work. Uh but I really think frozen hot chocolate would do well. And I guess that's technically a loophole, but you didn't specify that the hot chocolate had to be hot. I mean, at this point, hot chocolate's just part of the (laughs) day. (laughs) Okay.
1: That's true. I I I I'm gonna have to start getting a little more uh technical with my (laughs) questions here, aren't I? This one I don't think you can find any loopholes in. What's in your fridge?
0: What is in my fridge? Unfortunately, not as much as there should be. I've got a leftover steak in there, uncooked still uh, from my dinner for my birthday. We've got two different types of non milk nice. milk um, almond and oat, I believe. Good stuff. We've got pickles because everybody needs pickles. And the dip of the milk. Naturally. What? And <laughs> <laughs> what'd you uh, say? <laughs> there's some potato salad in there and a, a miscellaneous assortment of sauces and or dips i think yeah, that's, pretty that's like solid a, bridge. a rough estimate i think we've got some like romaine lettuce and stuff in there too but honestly we need to go shopping so there's not a lot in there fair enough who's your favorite co-host definitely marshall setcliffe 100 <laughs> percent it's gotta be Marshall Suckcliff. Does he count as a co-host? Uh, I guess not. I mean, he was a guest. I I guess that doesn't count. Well, but on a technicality, it would have to be you. I, I've never had another co-host, so I, I could say myself. Yes. I suppose I'm my own co-host. Oh my god.
1: You found a <laughs> goddamn loophole. All right. Cut that. Uh, how, how about um best joke I've ever made? <laughs> ever
0: made? Dude, you make way too many jokes for me to store
1: all of them. Yeah, that's this the episode, I, was I think. For. it is pretty good uh we're gonna take it back to a classic if you were a potato you know the rest everyone listening you know the rest how would you be prepared and served
0: yeah so um i'm a big fan of curly fries i think i think curly fries are a pleasure that is too good for this world and i i would love to be a good a good curly fry And, you know, with maybe some good, good kind of dipping sauce. I mean, ketchup's good, but like, I think we could do better. Maybe some kind of aioli of some kind. That's a pretty good option to me. Uh, I had smashed potatoes for my uh, birthday dinner. And for those that don't know what smashed potatoes are, you essentially take baby potatoes and you parboil them and you smash them with a potato masher and they like break open, but you still have the skins involved and they're not like completely mashed. And then you throw them in the oven with like seasonings and stuff on And they get crispy, but they still kind of have a mashed potato consistency. They're really good.
1: I'll be honest. When you told me earlier that you had smashed potatoes, I thought I just misheard you. And I thought you said mashed potatoes.
0: (laughs) Nope. Nope. Smash (laughs) potatoes. They're delicious.
1: Yeah, no, that, that makes more sense. What is a birthday gift that you've always wanted but never received?
0: Okay, so I'm really bad about gifts because I typically will buy everything that I want and or need prior to big events. I do this with Christmas all the time so like christmas will roll around and my parents are like loved ones will be like hey what do you want for christmas i'm like man i don't know i just bought everything but what is something i've always wanted and never received i don't think i want things long enough to have always wanted the same thing uh i definitely wanted a black lotus at some point never got one of those and uh, yeah i guess i guess that's probably it. i don't know I, I i don't really i don't really ever want very much for my birthday i i feel weird like wanting things for my birthday
1: uh mr humble over here <laughs>
0: I don't know why it's like, like I have no issues with like telling people I want things for other holidays, but for my birthday, I'm just like, it's just another day. I don't
1: know. Birthdays are kind of weird.
0: Why you are know? you giving me something for being born? I, I just like, uh, I didn't
1: have anything to do with that. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong there. Uh, I, I was going to like quickly scribble down whatever it is that that you said, but <laughs> Black Lotus, uh, give me like 30 years. Yeah. So okay. I'll, get on that uh, I'll let you know. I, honestly. I think it'd be more likely that one of us would find a black lotus, right? Like, if we if we true. took on someone's old collection or if we're looking through and we'd happen to, like, stumble upon one. That's just the dream, right? Like, you're looking through a collection and someone just has, like, five unsleeved dusty lotuses, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, but I think I'd be really disappointed if that happened because I'd inevitably find one that would be in, like, really bad condition and wouldn't be worth anything or would be worth very little.
1: Honestly, uh, a damaged black lotus is still, you know then <laughs> that's still a few rent payments. It's probably true. What's your favorite interview question? This one. Oh.
0: <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I like I like questions that get kind of, I guess, detailed. Like, things that are, are different. I feel like there are a lot of interviews. And Marshall kind of said the same thing when he was on the show. Like, a lot of interviews are very by-the-book or cookie-cutter. And, like, people ask questions that you kind of expect to be asked. Even if you're not told ahead of time, like, you can kind of expect certain questions to be asked. And... Um, I like ones that don't necessarily do that because those like cookie cutter questions are things that people talk about constantly because they're on every interview and interview questions that are not cookie cutter are unique and they make the interview unique and they make the experience unique. So,
1: well, i I try to stay pretty far away from cookie cutter questions. Here's one that I think doesn't come up very often. Uh, I've hidden a bomb in your apartment. You have 30 seconds to defuse it or I will activate this detonator. What's your plan?
0: Okay. I'd probably. Why are you
1: sitting there? Throw it out the window.
0: Go. This <laughs> is <laughs> yeah, a life chuck skill it out the question. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: you're not. You're not moving. You've got like. Oh, 15 you've seconds. actually <laughs> done this. Well,
0: I guess I'm done. I. I guess I've wasted like 30 seconds already just babbling here. So.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's lucky that it's your birthday. I'm, I'm gonna defuse the bomb, uh, and I'll have your dog eat it or something. It's it's biodegradable. Um, have you? That reminds me.
0: Have you ever played Bomb Core? on the jackbox party games no i have not oh that's a good one you should do that sometime it's it's one, it's like a collaborative game where you have up to four people working to try to defuse bombs in this like office space that somehow manufactures bombs and things always go wrong with them nice. um, and so uh yeah it, it's a fun game it gets really intense uh
1: have you played job job
0: by any chance
1: i don't think so it is by far my new favorite jackbox game it's one where they send out like interview questions to everyone. Funnily enough, interview questions. They send out these kind of like generic corporate interview questions to everyone playing. You answer with whatever you want, and then they take the responses, shred them into individual letters, and then randomly assign all or individual words, and then randomly assign the individual words to different people. And then they ask you another series of interview questions, but you have to answer using these like shredded fragments of everyone else's responses that's pretty cool. Uh, so like punctuation grammar just out the window and uh hopefully people put funny stuff for the first responses so you have good stuff to work with for the second it is by far my favorite some of my friends and i have cried laughing doing this highly recommend
0: that sounds awesome
1: so if you were uh stuck inside the art of any magic the gathering card which one would you prefer
0: interesting Stuck in the art of any magic card, Sphinx's Rev would be kind of cool to be stuck in because like I could picture myself like on the back of the Sphinx and seeing whatever the Sphinx is seeing in terms of the revelation they're having, Mm -hmm. maybe the art for the name is, the name is escaping me, but it was, um, I think it was a Midnight Hunt card that had, uh, it was, it was the opposite of Faithless Looting. Oh,
1: Faithful Mending. Faithful Mending. Yeah.
0: I would, I would love to be in that. That looked like a very peaceful scene. Um, and was, it was pretty cool. Those characters look like they'd be fun to hang with so i think those two are my top contenders at the moment
1: yeah i was thinking maybe one of the nice uh like ravnica cityscapes uh because then i could just be like living a normal ravnica life or maybe one of these uh these upcoming kamigawa ones look pretty sick Uh, life on on neo kamigawa seems pretty cool Uh, i wouldn't mind it they got some cool tech there if you were shrunk down to the size of a pencil and put into a blender what would you do
0: be blended uh, I think it's the only fair <laughs> well, answer, you're, you're, right? you're about
1: to be, but what, what's, your, what's your escape route?
0: You jump onto the blade, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the top of the blade, and then yeah. hang on for dear life because no matter, like you can't get cut up if you're on top of the blades
1: then aren't you getting smashed like when you act as the blade then you'd be getting smushed oh in yeah i mean you'd
0: probably die just from like centripetal force like doing its thing blood going uh, all to your head yeah. and all that um <laughs> but i think that's your safest bet or your your closest option i guess i don't know i mean maybe if i'm the size of a pencil i can maybe stretch across and like reach the sides of the blender and so i can oh, like yeah. shimmy my way up and hold myself there for a bit but i am not a very tall person so i imagine i would not make a very tall pencil but you're saying I just am the size of a pencil, so I yeah. don't know. I'd have to go check if a pencil would fit in the blend. Like,
1: I guess it depends on your blender size, too. Yeah, that's true. Like a smaller like little bullet one, a pencil could definitely like shimmy up the sides of that. Yeah. <clears throat> Here's a bit of a, a riddle, a puzzle for you. Oh, boy. Why are manhole covers round?
0: Is this is this actually a puzzle or is this a joke?
1: There, there, no, there is an actual answer to this. Uh, another way of asking is why aren't they square?
0: Doesn't have something to do with the fact that like the round cover... Can't fit through the circle, like and go
1: <laughs> size of the thing. Otherwise, like square ones would just fall. You you pass the interview. Yeah, the square one you could just lift up, turn on an angle, and then fit through along like the the vertices from one corner to the opposite corner, because uh, the the side length would be less than that. But circles don't have that problem. Uh, I guess yeah. a triangle would also work. Are there triangle shaped anhole covers? I don't know. What is something that you hate?
0: Something that I hate stupidity. And that sounds a little bit bigoted, but let me explain. I don't hate ignorance. Ignorance being the lack of knowledge. Like if somebody just doesn't know something, that's normal. I don't know plenty of things. I don't know what I don't know. And it's very, very normal. Everybody everybody doesn't know things. What I mean when I say stupidity is actively avoiding learning. There are people out there who just refuse to learn things or refuse to accept that their opinion or understanding of something could be incorrect. And that is what I call stupidity. And I hate
1: that. What is your biggest level up recently in Magic the Gathering?
0: Honestly, I think it's... We we talked about this in in an earlier episode this year, but like reviewing games after the fact and recognizing when a game went your way or didn't go your way because of luck Mm. and like how much skill actually went into it. Like one thing I've noticed that I don't tend to do very often and you actually kind of gave me this level up when we were doing the decathlon finals stream is that you very frequently... And I don't know if you were doing this just because I was on the stream with you and it was a stream, but I imagine you do this on a regular basis. You regularly call out cards that you think your opponents have. I often don't think about what my opponent could have unless I'm playing a control deck where that matters and it, it should matter all the time. But when, when I play a control deck, I typically play decks that care about like, okay, what are the cards that my opponent could have that are that I can't deal with? Because my deck is designed to deal with it, almost everything my opponent can throw at me. What are the few things that I can't deal with? I'm going to save my counter spells for those things. Mm-hmm. When I'm playing like a more mid-range or aggressive deck, especially in limited, I typically will just play my cards almost like solitaire and using their board as as information but not really thinking about my opponent's hand and when i when we went through the decathlon finals i was like i need to be a lot better about this because not only and and part of it's knowing the format like you just know what cards are available and and can call them out but yeah you you have a good skill of being able to just be like these are the two cards that they could have right here and if they don't have those i'm fine if they do here's how i play around either of those two and i am not very good about that so i don't even know if this is a level up necessarily but it's something i'm working to level up
1: well thank you i do consider myself an arena cube nerd so i should hope that i uh, i have everything down and also at the time we were piloting this disgusting overpowered mid-range value pile golos nuts stuff and there's only so many ways you can deal with that and, and deal with the kind of overwhelming advantage created by something, uh, a deck that, that's just so value-rich. Um, so it makes it makes uh, calling out the potential answers a little easier when you're going for such a niche uh, strategy.
0: Well, and I, I find myself in positions sometimes where I, I will say, you know, I'll be declaring an attack and I'm like, look at their mana. There's probably a removal spell in this format at that mana slot. That could deal with this, but I can't really think of any. I'm just going to attack, mm-hmm. and then they play one. And I'm like, oh yeah, that that's a card. I uh, should have been thinking about that one. And sometimes they're blowouts, sometimes they're not. But it's still something that I think, if I got better at, would would shore up win percentage like a significant amount for me.
1: I think I may have learned this myself because I'm a little overzealous in trying to end the game. Sometimes I've realized that I'm I'm definitely more of the uh, the aggressor. When I can be, and I prefer to kind of get things moving, get things along, I prefer to have a very proactive game plan rather than a, a reactive one. So a lot of the times I've gotten punished because I just haven't respected what my opponent could have. I'm the guy that attacks it to settle the wreckage every time. Like, <laughs> And sometimes I, I mitigate my losses. It took me a long time to learn that. I, I, I got that one drilled into my head. Uh, when I have 10 creatures, I'm like, yeah, I should attack with just like, seven creatures and then i get settled i'm like okay next time maybe i should attack with just like six creatures and then i get settled i'm like okay maybe five creatures and then you know try to sort out the math figure out how to get lethal through i think that's kind of forced me to to do this the hard way
0: yeah i guess that makes sense and then you know you get to 5 you're like okay i'll attack with five creatures and then they settle you and then you're like well they they can't always have settle i can keep attacking (laughs) with five
1: creatures (laughs) yeah yeah at some point logic does take over Say I give you a one hundred dollar bill, what do you do with it?
0: Right now, it would be buy new studio monitors for my office. I've been wanting to get those for a little while, and the pair that I'm looking at are like ninety bucks. So I
1: buy those and pocket ten bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty convenient. Uh, I, I've been thinking about upgrading my, uh, my my sound system here too a little bit. I currently have these just very very cheap like Walmart monitors, and they work. Like uh, the, the audio isn't awful, but for for the amount of time I spend in front of my my PC, I think I probably should upgrade my system a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, the ones the speakers that I have are actually speakers that I purchased with my first desktop build when I, which I did when I was thirteen, and I've oh. had these speakers since then. So they are they are due for an upgrade.
1: Yeah, what what, what brand are those? they've got to be good, if they've been this good this long. Logitechs, yeah,
0: and they've gone through moving to college, moving to diff- from two different dorms into two different apartments. They've been moved wow. around a lot, so they, they're, uh, they're trusty, but they are not of the utmost quality at this point, so I yeah, ready to retire them.
1: Good on you, Logitech. We are not sponsored by Logitech. Logitech, if you'd like to sponsor us, <laughs> give me a call. <laughs> Down to our last question here, actually. If you could give a piece of advice to yourself starting out as a content creator what would it be? Just do it.
0: There's a lot of, I think maybe imposter syndrome, a lot of worry about like, will people like this? Am I even going, is anybody even going to listen to it or read it or watch it depending on the type of content? Content creation is very much a game of you learn by doing, not by learning or like reading or whatever. Like you have to just get out there and do it if you want to figure out how to do it well and how to find an audience and and build an audience and all that kind of stuff and if you never do it you're not going to get any of that anyway so just just hit publish whatever it is that you're trying to build whether it's written content or video content or audio content or any of that kind of stuff just press publish and listen to for feedback Um, that's one of the things I think we've been really kind of looking to especially coming into 2022 for this show is trying to get more feedback and and Kind of integrate more feedback to the show uh, more regularly because that's the way things improve and that's how you learn. Like if you, especially from a podcast perspective, I mean, if you're publishing on like YouTube or Twitter or maybe TikTok, I don't really use TikTok, so I'm not sure how that works, but you at least have like a comment section where people can like give you feedback on the thing right away. With us, if we don't, we have a we have like a feedback channel in our Discord, but if we don't explicitly search for feedback from people, it can be really hard to get it. So. Mm. um definitely that would be the other aspect i would say just publish and listen to your audience
1: yeah absolutely and that that's kind of an invitation for those listening uh we really appreciate those that, 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 that tune into us every week and uh you know it it means so much more than i think we could properly describe and i think we have kind of followed that philosophy of let's just we're, we're doing it regardless of you know what the drives or or uh I don't know. The content creation metas might be, I think we're, we're, we're doing our best to just keep doing what we want to do and we're having fun, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the, that's the important the part, too. part.
0: A lot of people I think get into content creation with the, you know, and, and this is something very not draft chaff related or even magic related, but um, I have been working to kind of build a personal brand outside of what we do with this show. Yeah. And one of the things that I've, I've been trying to work through myself and I've seen a lot of people talk about on like Twitter and stuff is find out your why like figure out what your why is and basically that's because if your why is just money you will never do this long enough to actually make any money Mm -hmm. and so you need a why that is more intrinsic than that and something that that will keep you going when things get tough and money generally isn't strong enough to do that or the promise of money generally isn't strongest strong enough to do that so yeah figure out your why just press publish and listen to your audience
1: totally if if we had a why for this show, I don't I don't know. Uh, I, at least personally, I'd say probably something along the lines of like uh, we have fun here, you know? Right. No,
0: and that's that's exactly what it was because you know when we first when we first launched the show, it was like, hey, we like to talk about magic on a regular basis. Like, why don't we just post our conversations and see if anybody else gets anything out of it? I had been th- I don't know if I ever even told you this. I had been thinking through doing this show for a little while, like maybe a month or two before I actually brought it up to you. Mm -hmm. And that was because I was getting stuck in the mindset of I'm not an expert. I've never been to a pro tour. I don't top like hit top finishes in like big tournaments or anything. Why would anybody want to hear from me? And Mm -hmm podcasts require a little bit of money to get started i mean like hosting isn't free and stuff but they're really not expensive so i don't know i mean um that was kind of that was kind of the reason why it took me a little bit longer to actually start doing it but when i was thinking about it i was just like at the end of the day who cares if anybody listens like you might just publish into the void for a long time Mm -hmm. but then nobody's gonna bash you for it because nobody knows it's there anyway so
1: (laughs) no one's there to roast you (laughs) there's
0: literally no downside
1: Yeah, that's true. I'm I'm honestly very thankful that we have uh, a community that uh, can roast us should they choose. (laughs) That's true. And also, uh, of course, people want to listen to you like, you know, your stuff and you're a cool dude. So I think that's attracted a, uh, a like minded, cool audience that also knows their stuff. Thanks. Anyway, uh, happy birthday to you, Zach. I hope you've enjoyed this, uh, this semi-roast. Not not too much of a roast. You were uh, kind. You were kind. Yeah, the, uh, only the occasional roast was was roasted. Anyway, if you want to come say happy birthday to Zach yourself, you can do that in the Discord. Also, if you're not in the Discord already, just join it. It's a good uh, good time. We, we have fun there, too. And people are always posting good stuff. Also, if you want to play Modern with us, it sounds like we might jam some games. Maybe sometime this weekend. If I'm snowed in, I was originally going to go down to South Jersey this weekend, but... It's looking like, uh, I don't know, I'll let my brother handle my the shoveling down there. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to stay up here and get snowed in. Uh, in which case, I'll be around to jam some modern this weekend. So if you're listening, if it's Saturday, uh, whatever the date is, uh, what, like 1-29 or two 2- 1-30, let's jam some modern. Why not? Uh, you can also support us on Patreon if, if you so choose. And we appreciate all those that do already. Uh, hit us up at, uh, you know, the socials, all that stuff. Zach usually does this part. What are our socials?
0: Uh you can find us on Twitter by finding Ben at Betafish One. You can find myself at Zach E Hackett and the show directly at DraftChaft Pod.
1: That'll do it for us this week. And uh see you next week. We're getting into some some big Kamigawa stuff. Uh it, it's coming up. Get excited. So speaking of Kamigawa stuff, there have been some some leaks. Uh some nonsensical leaks people people (laughs) people translating phyrexian to try to uncover these leaks uh that's you know that that's some pretty wild stuff but i'm gonna be real curious to see how uh, close they got oh yeah i I hope it's close if you can be the person that said i translated from phyrexian within like an hour of a leak that that's kind of cool leaks overall not the coolest but they exist and you know they're there, uh, not to be encouraged, but uh, to be, you know, acknowledged. Uh, I thought it'd be cool if we chatted about one card that actually was officially released, and that's Satoru Umizawa, Uh part of the Umezawa Legacy. Uh, costs one blue-black, it's a 2-4, human ninja, with some awesome art in all of the iterations we've seen. There's three different versions of this card. Uh, the, the original has these really cool, like, tattoo elementals kind of like coming off of his body uh i don't know what's going on there but it's sweet uh the second one the kind of uh i think this they're calling it like the ninja frame um it's it's kind of this this cool swirly blue effect it, it looks neat i think my personal favorite is the full art borderless satoru umazawa which is this gorgeous like just super cool ninja looking thing i like the the white background even though it's a blue black card like just a a really really sick design the card itself says whenever you activate a ninjutsu ability look at the top three cards of your library put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order this ability triggers only once each turn and then it has a funny little line of text each creature card in your hand has ninjutsu, two blue, black. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, that's like a nice <laughs> little
0: package, right? It's already well above on stats. A, well, I guess it's not not technically above. It's pretty much on par for stats. But three mana, mm. two, four is a solid blocker. Um, it's giving all your stuff ninjutsu, and so it enables its own ability. Um, you don't have to, like if you were trying to draft this, You can just draft this and not worry about, like, oh, how many ninjutsu cards do I have? Like, it's just gonna do its thing anyway. And then it's got a nice little, like, anticipate thing going on. So
1: I love it. Yeah. Uh, Just for those that don't know, ninjutsu, uh, it's an activated ability. Uh, It says whatever the cost is. And then the text reads return an unblocked attacker you control to your hands to put this card onto the battlefield from your hand, tapped and attacking. So. Let, let me see if I've got this right. You could attack with, uh, with Satoru himself, right? And then should he get in and be unblocked? Uh, and also, hold on. So this could be an unblocked attacker. So you could do this before blocks are declared, right? Or or ha- have... Is I that I don't that works? remember
0: how the ruling works on that. I would need to look up the, the actual rules text for it.
1: Yeah, I haven't really gotten much experience with ninjutsu. I don't know if you have to have it be... Like formally unblocked and about to connect, or if you can do this while it is still unblocked, like having just entered combat and not yet moved to blockers phase. Um,
0: is I don't it? Know. Um. Yeah, I I actually don't know how that works. Um,
1: if you know how I, it works, like comment and subscribe. Just go ahead and tell us in the Discord, because uh, honestly. We, we could use a refresher. We didn't play back when, uh, when when original Kamigawa was a thing.
0: Yeah, I was just reading. I, I don't see anything that says uh, whether it can be done prior to blocks or not. So,
1: so I, I would assume it can be done either. But let, let me just double check here. This means you can attack this. Ah, here to here it is. Without, right? I found it. Oh, yep.
0: Here's the rulings. The Ninjutsu ability can be activated during the Declare Blockers, Combat Damage, or End of Combat steps if you have an unblocked attacking creature. So you can't do it before Declare Blocks.
1: Interesting. Oh, but you could do it at End of Combat. Yeah. So you could do like a. I feel like there's probably some weird like first strike stuff you could do in here too, because you could do it during the damage phase, right?
0: You can do it during damage. Yeah.
1: Interesting. So you could have like a first well. Hold on, it have to be unblocked. I don't know, I don't know. There, if it was unblocked, you could have a first strike attacker do its damage and then use this to ninjutsu something else in and then bounce and then your it first strike back, and then it would do its regular, kind of like pseudo-double strike. I wonder how difficult
0: doing lines like that will be in Arena, though. You probably will have to have full control no. to do it anywhere outside of like the declare blocker step or something, but who knows? I don't think we've seen any ninjutsu stuff. In arena even through like the cube or any of that kind of stuff so I don't
1: think so yeah now what i'm thinking is can you use this to just put an ulamog into play on turn four or like an Emrakul or something oh god like uh, it's every card every yeah. creature in your hand yeah, has it, it right totally could i don't know how efficient that is because it wouldn't get the attacking triggers but like i don't let's know look, let's look let's the etb
0: trigger I think yeah
1: it, yeah. Let's let saffron olive handle this one. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be some nonsense brewing, uh, but anyway, speaking of um, of uh, dark shadowy attackers, uh, I wanted to allow Zach one one final flex here, uh, and I wanted to give you the quick opportunity. Uh, what one last kind of interview question? Uh, how many lines do you know from the Dark Knight? All of them. <laughs> Can you offer a bit of evidence of that?
0: Oh God, I I'm actually really bad at quoting it without the movie playing. I can quote it in time with the film, but for some, I guess the way that I've stored the memory of it all has to do with like the scene that it's in, as well as like other sounds going on in the scene. So it's that's fair. It can be difficult for me to remember. I I know the first line is three of a kind, so we'll go. We'll I'll leave that as as evidence. Just, uh, <laughs> do you have a favorite line? Uh, I mean why so serious is a classic. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite scene in the whole film is, uh, the scene where, um, uh, Gordon commissioner. Well, I guess he isn't commissioner yet. Gordon just comes back, like just r- reveals that he wasn't actually murdered and he's mm. back and they caught the Joker and he's, he's in captivity or in, uh, incarcerated or whatever. And then he goes home to see his family. He gets a call that he has to come back and, comes back in. Um, at that point, he's been promoted, and um, that scene—the scene that I'm talking about in particular—starts with the Joker. Gordon walks into the the interrogation room. The Joker says, "Evening, Commissioner," and it goes from there. And that whole scene is just mind blowing to me. I absolutely love Heath Ledger's performance in that scene.
1: I gotta rewatch that movie. It's been a long time since I seen it. I typically <laughs> watch it once a year, on, and that that
0: time is on my birthday. But this year, I saw Spider Man instead.
1: Uh, that's fair. Actually, this just gave me a weird flashback. I, I remember the very first time I saw the dark Knight, Uh, and it was at like a sleepover somewhere. Um, and I, I distinctly remember like being terrified. I, it was right when it, I first came out and I was like, wow, that was a scary movie. That was good, but terrifying. The Joker is an objectively terrifying character. And driving back, uh, from the sleepover, I think my parents put me up. I remember it, this was in Marmora. Uh, there was someone in a joker outfit standing on the street holding a sign like advertising for something and i thought it was the most terrifying thing i'd ever seen it's shocked that i didn't immediately develop a clown phobia right (laughs) like what are the odds